Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone. And our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio. Welcome, welcome to When White People Have Had Enough. This is the sixth episode, and um, I don't know what it's called yet, but by the end, I will know. Uh, For right now, it's called Food for Thought. It's called Food for Thought. So welcome, and let me just tell you a little tiny bit. Um, my name is Vonda Page. I'm the Radical Results Mentor for leaders looking to level up to legend. And I'm also the CEO of Radical Change, Leaders Learn Change, a boutique change advice and guidance consultancy, uh, as well as a curator of the Rolling Results Mentorships, which are evergreen group mentorship programs that kick off on September 1. And you can learn more about that at leader2legendexclusive.com to find out about the masterclasses, or you can just go to rollingresultsmentorship.com to find out about the mentorship programs. And of course, you can always go to bondspage.com and learn about me. And I have a whole section called credentials. You could actually click there um, if you want to kind of learn about my background. But hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of When White People Have Had Enough. And that song that you just heard, if you are unfamiliar with it, if it's your first time hearing it, is called Food for Thought, and it is by an amazing artist called Dion, uh, named Dion Farris, and it's F-A-R-R-I-S. And um, that album uh, where that song is called Wild Seed, And, you know, sometimes I feel like her because I always ask myself or I find myself saying, am I the only one using food for thought and thought for food? Why am I the only one who feels like I am using, uh, you know, food for thought and thought for food? Like that is kind of, you know, where I am with it. And, you know, I am um, asking myself these questions and I think you know, uh, it, um, I think it really comes down to part of how I came up with, you know, when white people have had enough, but is really like, where is the thought and the thinking, um, in terms of, you know, how, um, people are actually looking at, uh, change and how to actually address some of the issues and problems that are happening, right? So, you know, uh, hopefully you are binging this. And if you've heard the first uh, five, you know, episodes, in each of them, I've given some background, right, in terms of how I came up with this title and why I'm using 
enough spelled E-N-U-F, right? And why this is named after note check uh, in Tazake Shange, right? Um, and, and, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how her writings and her poetry impacted my life because I see a through line and I see a parallel with white women in terms of their, um, pain, right? That is going unaddressed. Their pain that is going unanswered. Their pain that is going unresponded to. And so they are lashing out purposefully, subconsciously, and inadvertently even sometimes um, because they have not dealt with their stuff, right? And so I feel like the food for thought, right, is when are white people going to unpack your stuff? And so I know that I talked about, you know, unpacking your stuff before. Um, and, and, and it is like super critical. And I think that we are seeing it like more and more and more, right? The need for white people to unpack their stuff because <clears throat> I just don't understand like why and how women can hurt other women in such devastating ways. Like even when I can totally understand because of anti-blackness, how white people allow the mistreatment of black people because they can look at black skin and because of cognitive dissonance and because of, you know, uh, their own gaslighting that they do on themselves and their own and conditioning that's happened in our society and whatever conditioning they got in their family of origin and growing up. I understand how they can look at black people and think all black people are beneath them, but it's always been fascinating to me to watch white women turn their backs on other white women and let them suffer and be in pain. <clears throat> and I realized, and I've learned, especially more so over the last three to three to four years is that white people, white women, especially, um, have such a deep seated hatred of themselves because of the pain that they have. That's nobody is addressing. It's like they were given and told, you know, some promises that weren't kept and they want redress, but they can't do anything about it because they've given all their power over to white men. And they did that on purpose, right? So, you know, white women in our country, in America, they made a deal with white men and said, okay, you let us share in your power, then we will help you rule over all black people and indigenous people. That was the deal that was made. And so now, years later, when, uh, you know, they realize that, um, you know, they're out there by themselves and now no nobody wants to fight with them. Well, it's because their unresolved pain, their unresolved trauma, their unresolved garbage from trauma heaped on them by people who were traumatized, none of it was ever dealt with. <clears throat> and something I've been talking about, you know, recently is part of it is because of this conditioning and undercurrent of anti-blackness that is just allowed to continue to uh, flourish and foment um in our country and no matter what um you know efforts get 
uh, initiated, especially under the guise of that term DEI, literally nothing is happening. But the food for thought, right, when you're talking about unpacking and I was talking about, you know, how how this uh, Ntozake Shange impacted my life, right? I think about my mom siding with my stepfather when I told her that he abused me. And I think about how that has continued in society to this day. Now I'm only 53 years old, right? And so it's not like I'm talking like like I'm 107 and I'm saying this was 100 years ago. This was 40 something years ago, right? 45 years ago, 46, seven years ago, something like that, right? Um, but still, it is how women are conditioned to support the patriarchy no matter what they do. And then it's those of us who say, hell no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to support the patriarchy as they abuse women and children. And so in Tazake, her poem, right, she talks about, you know, the abuse of women and children that happened in this country. But of course, her experience is specifically about black women. I'm talking about now, not only my experience or the experience of other women that I know, but why we have this phenomena of hurt white women who continue to hurt other white women. And it reminded me of a story that my mom told me one time. So my mom, before she married my stepfather, was... uh married to another dude, um, that I think she married, um, in maybe 73 or 74. Cause I know I was about five or six. I, I don't think I was in first grade yet. Um, but I remember that this man beat up my mom and my mom is super light skinned. Like she's that kind of light skinned that if she, only if only a, if her hair was straightened, only a black person would know she was black if she wanted to not be black. Um, but she has a you know curl pattern like I do, like my daughter. So you you would know she's black. But she her skin, especially uh, when she was younger, she could almost pass. Um, and so anyway, she got beat up by her husband, and my mom had purple. Uh, bruises and I was telling you about her skin type and complexion so you would get why her skin was purple like purple and it was like bad and she called my grandfather and said to my grandfather can you come get me because Sylvester beat me up and my grandfather said to her you made your bed now lie in it and I shared that story with a white woman friend uh associate of mine and they were telling me how their mom got told the same thing from their grandmother. And I shared the story with a bunch of people. And they told me how their grandmothers or great-grandmothers told their grandmother this or their mom told them that or whatever. And then it reminded me of one time when I called my mom and asked my mom to come and get me because my first husband uh, pulled a gun on me. And my mom told me, no, uh, first of all, she said, uh, she was watching TV. Uh, and second of all, it was late. And third of all, he ain't going to do nothing anyway. And so I think about that and I think about, you know, how white women have for years and years and years and years done everything they could to tear down Roe v. Wade and they did it and it's harming other white women. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm stuck having a, a kid that I don't want. So you have to be stuck having one too. 
I was sharing with somebody that all of the studies I've I've read tons of them uh, over the last ten years, and all of the studies talk specifically about women who are single and never had kids are much happier and fulfilled and financially okay than women who did get married and have kids. Every study talks about it, and you can look them up. Um, studies talk about lesbian couples being like the most happy people, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and other studies like that. Right. And I'm laughing because it's like things that we think, you know, in our minds, right. Like in terms of, of happiness, you know, uh, go hand in hand, right. With our experiences and things we're exposed to. And so I think about my mom being told, you know, oh, well, some man beat you up too bad. You deal with it. And then I tell my mom, okay, my ex-husband got pulled, you know, got a gun out on me. And she tell me, like, basically, we'll deal with it. She said she wasn't coming to get me. That's the same thing as saying deal with it, right? What is this thing that does that? And the opposite is my daughter knows and she's been protecting other people from me her entire life. When she tells me somebody does something to her, I'm ready to go ham. I'm ready to get it on. I am ready to go for the jugular and go for it. And what I realized over her lifetime is that she's always known that. And for that reason, she has protected other people when they've done stuff to her because she was so worried about the wrath of Vonda, the wrath of mom coming down because you're not going to hurt me or mine. And, and I think also about, you know, I've shared stories with people about how I used to get in fights as a kid all the time. And I say get into fights because I was always defending myself, but I was always accused of fighting. And I'm, so I just say, okay, I would get into fights because I would be minding my damn business and somebody would come up to me and push me or hit me or say something or whatever. I was sharing with, uh, folks, um, that I had got bust to a school in sixth grade and how these kids would do all kind of stuff to me. And, and I would fight back. And every time I would get sent to the guidance counselor and they would tell me I was violent and I was crazy. And I would say, well, they threw a spitball on me and they would say, well, that can't hurt you. No, but it's gross and nasty and disgusting. So it it hurts because I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a dirt patch that you would be spitting tobacco out your mouth on or whatever tobacco out of your mouth. So, so like I remember people pulling my bra strap, pulling my backpack and yanking me so that I like almost fell like a couple of times, like people pulling my, uh, pulling my skirt down, like, you know, trying to make your butt, uh, show, um, lifting my skirt up. Like literally I remember just being assaulted and grabbed all the damn time. And I used to fight people and I used to fight not only because I think, you know, a part of it is at home, I couldn't really fight you know, and so I always felt like, you know, I'm, I'm responsible of taking care of myself and therefore I'm responsible for taking care of anybody that looks like me or that could be in a similar situation as me. And so even to this day, my daughter will protect people from me because she knows that I will let them know like what you're doing is a hundred percent wrong because this world treats black people terribly. And when white people have had enough of it, and specifically white women, right? Because white women are the ones, let's face it, that are wielding out the punishment. Now, maybe white men are in charge and they're they're making all the rules, but the white women are carrying the water and doing all the dirty work. How did Roe v. Wade get overturned? All of those white women who were mad at their own lives, they said, well, if I have to be stuck having a baby, you do too. 
You don't get a choice because they surrendered their choice. So I think about the fact that 40% of white women were slave owners, right? And so what do you think happened to that 40%, them daughters of the Confederacy and all of that stuff? Those same people have jobs in HR in every sector, whether you're talking about formal education or whether you're talking about corporate America, whether you're talking about higher learning, whether you're talking about government, it's those same people. It's the same people. It's all about oligarchy and money. And we have it so confused and twisted. And so this new push to increase the white working force is all for the purposes so that those same oligarchs can remain in power because black folks, brown folks, indigenous folks, you know, uh, some queer folks, not all because the alphabet community is part of the problem. Um, and why we're not advancing because y'all don't care about black trans people. And I'm gonna just say that. And I'm gonna dare you to prove me wrong, prove me wrong because black trans lives don't matter in the alphabet movement. Boom. So, um, it's just like black lives don't matter in the move in the movement for pay equity for women, because now my mentor shared the stats today. My mentor, Dr. Avis Jones, the weaver, she shared the stat today that now black women's pay is down to 58 cent. Uh, uh-uh, give me my paper, boo boo. Give me my money. Pay me. Don't ask me anything. Don't ask me anything. Go to vondapage.com. <laughs> right. Um, my higher forms are going to be on the, uh, internet today, uh, my speaker forms, but you can just literally go to my website and request a consultation and hire me tomorrow. You can literally, um, uh, sign up to get interviewed for the rolling results mentorship tomorrow. I think I have to update the calendar, but literally that's what we doing because something has got to change because something has got to change. It's going to be 11 and 12 year old pregnant little kids. It's going to be white little pregnant kids. I mean, it's going to be some black ones, but it's going to be white ones because they're trying to increase the labor force and, and make more poor white people. And, and, and they've been doing it for years since Walmart and Amazon and Target done came in and, and it's just happening and y'all just letting it happen. So my, so that's why this podcast, when white people have had enough, right? When white people have had enough. You are going to stop as white women, stop hurting each other. And you're going to say, that's my sister. And so let me just take a quick commercial on the sister thing and say, white women don't ever call a black woman sis unless she tells you. You can say sister because I think all, you know, people who are capable of giving birth are sisters if they want to be called a sister. Um, But don't call me sis because I'm not your sis. I'm only sis to a black woman. Um, And also don't call me girl because I'm not girl unless you is my girlfriend. And um, that means you have known me since, uh, you know, puberty. (laughs) Okay. At or at or at or around that time. So I just wanted to side note that because I I see a lot of white women get familiar with black women and think that they could say certain things. Um, So I just wanted to put that out there. But real quick, back to hurting women. Right. And the food for thought. Right. Just because you were hurt does not mean that your pain and nobody addressed your pain does not make your pain invalid. Just because you were hurt and no one addressed your pain does not make your pain invalid. Boom. 
What it means is that your pain was not addressed and your pain was not healed. I'm going to give a book recommendation to every human being that knows how to read. I know he, the book is in English for sure. And I'm sure it's probably in several languages, but I would suggest for every person, I would say maybe over the age of eight or nine years old, if you can read this book, you should read this book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. It's blue and it's by a dude named Bessel. And I have read it uh, numerous times. The Body Keeps the Score. I think my second or third therapist good one. Um, cause I've had numerous therapists and some are good and some aren't recommended it, but it's a very good book. And I'm going to tell you to read it because the body keeps the score, helps you understand trauma. It helps you understand triggers and it helps you understand how you hold on to that and how, when you are triggered, it releases something that your body remembers that may be subconscious. So I say that because it speaks back to how, White people, even the so-called good, unquote, good white people can do bad things. is because your body keeps a certain score and you're reacting on that. Not only that, you're reacting on conditioning. Not only that, you're reacting on motion, emotion. Not only that, you're reacting on a whole bunch of things that if you've never dealt with any of the trauma in your own life, you know, you're going to still be there. So let's talk about trauma for a second. And when I say trauma, what am I talking about? So I'm talking about trauma as things that were significant in your life that had an impact on you, such as a bad car accident, someone dying that you loved, like a parent, a spouse, a child, a cousin, a grandmother, a neighbor, a best friend, a teacher that you loved. You or someone you love having a really bad illness, like something that was life or death or some kind of super bad accident, being in a fire or seeing a fire, being in a car accident, uh, you know, having a, um, a close friend have a something bad happen to their family. There's a lot being poor, being, uh, disabled, being, uh, fat, being skinny, being short, being tall, developing early, developing late, okay? These are different things that happen to us in life uh, that can have a different impact on us. And nobody can say what things are traumatic for one person versus, you know, who shouldn't be traumatized by what. But that little list, right, um, was just a tiny list of things that impact us and, 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 in a way that we may not realize. Now, we also have other things that happen to us, like actually like being um, abused, right? As children, especially, but maybe as an employee, maybe as a grown up, maybe having a, you know, an, being attacked, ver you know, verbally, physically, emotionally, financially, you know, um, professionally. Oh my God. Um, having your work stolen, have, having your house, uh, you know, broken into, like, I can think of a, a thousand, right? Things. All of those things are traumatic, y'all. And so what that means is if any of those things have happened to you and you never worked it out, you never had a conversation, you never saw therapy, you never, um, you know, explored it, like, like cried about it, punched a, a, a punching bag over it, punched pillows over it, like processed and, and, and did something to like go through a process through it. It is still somewhere trapped in you and you're still being triggered by that 
those occurrences in ways that you likely do not know. And so my recommendation for people all the time, number one, if you have a job and you have any type of health insurance that can get you some uh, mental health services, do it. Even if you feel like you're fine, because we are all suffering in trauma in this country. And whether you are white or black, you are suffering from racialized trauma, ancestral racial trauma. If your ancestors um, were here before uh, the emancipation and or if your ancestors are uh, benefiting from uh, anything that this country uh, offers white people and brown people and Asian people that black people don't get. Black people cannot vote in this country freely and okay. Um, Black people get locked up in this country and then lose our rights Black people get locked up for no reason in this country and then we can't get out. Black people get discriminated against in every faction of society. That is 100% facts. You can look it up any way you want. I don't care. You can fight me on it. I'm from Philly. Philly John. Hashtag all the way. I don't care. Okay? Because it is what it is. And so just because you have been hurt and you've never gotten your pain addressed, just because you have been abused, It doesn't make it right, period. It does not make it right. And it doesn't matter what you're using to justify, you know, your opinions about certain things. Why do you get to heap your misery, your life, your sadness on other people just because nobody told you they were sorry you got hurt. I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry you got hurt. I'm sorry your parents or that priest or your teacher or the principal or your babysitter or your cousin or your uncle or your father or your mother or your whoever hurt you. I'm sorry they did it. And guess what? It was messed up. Whether it was a smack in the face or push down the steps, or they called you a name, or whatever. Whatever they did, it hurt. It was bad, and I'm sorry that happened. And I wish that I could go back in time and erase all the pain that everybody has went through, because I think that would really make a damn difference. Because I, I bet you, if we could get the stories of the monarchs from the British, you know, from the uh, 8th and 9th and 10th and 11th centuries, Man, the the sick stuff that probably went through them people to make them feel like they had to conquer the whole world and rape and kill everybody. I mean, think about the harm that they went through. Think about the trauma in that bloodline. And all they have done is perpetuate it around the whole damn world. And now today, the world hates black people and doesn't care that black people get killed in the damn street. And hate black people so much that don't even care about hurting yourselves Because you know at least you're not black as a white person. It doesn't matter to you how bad your state gets because you know always at least you won't be black. So that means you won't go to jail for nothing. That means that if you you commit the same crime a black person commits side by side, you're not going to get the time and you know it. It happens all the time. We see black, we see white kids shooting up schools and do all kinds of things and they get to go and, and grub out. They get to grub out 
and enjoy the ride to the cops and they get high-fived and glad they got it taken out and, you know, all this and this and that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is the way that things go is that white people are happy with the status quo because it's not affecting them because they will always be on top whether it's the poorest of the poor, like Lyndon Baines Johnson said, as long as you can convince the poor white man that he is above and better than a black man, you could pick his pockets clean. And that's all they doing is picking your pockets. That's all they doing is picking your pockets. They popping up Amazon warehouses, Walmarts and targets in every couple of blocks and Starbucks, every couple of blocks. And y'all letting it happen. Your kids is going to be the ones working there when they 12 and 13. Because they're going to get pregnant by some grown-ass man somewhere. And what are y'all going to do about it? That's my question. That is my question. The food for thought is how long are we going to continue this debased society where women are hurting other women on purpose? When what we could do is say, okay, let's topple the damn patriarchy because they haven't been able to do shit right in, you know, 20, uh, 100 years, 2000 years. They haven't been able to get it right. Right. And the few societies where women were running it or the few societies where, you know, gender is not even a freaking construct at all. Those are the societies that do better collectively, but no. Right. White women don't care because they feel like nobody has cared about them. Well, guess what? People do care about you. I care about you and you got to care about yourself. But the only way you can care about your damn self, right, is by taking care of yourself. And you do that by standing up for yourself and standing up for other women. Why would you want to force another woman to live a life that you fucking hate? That doesn't even make any sense. Why would you want somebody else to have the same pain you have? That's horrible. That's horrible. I think about how many, you know, times, you know, people have basically told me, sit down, shut up and deal with it and take it. And I'm like, you're literally telling me to take my own abuse. Are you what? What? Huh? No, no, no. Now, I'm going to say this. If people decide to keep their own abuse going, that's on you. But what I'm saying is you don't have to. I'm saying food for thought right? All you have is your attitude and your time and everything that's happening, every mood, right? I mean, like that's literally the song, right? Like think about it. I have my attitude. And so no matter how bad the world treats me as a black woman, no matter how bad I see black women get treated out here in this world, no matter what I see, I have a choice, right? I have a um, thing on my refrigerator. It says attitude is everything. Pick a good one. I can't, I think it's an anonymous phrase. I had to look up and see who, who said it, but attitude is everything. Pick a good one. I think maybe I heard it on Sesame Street when I was a kid, but, but you know, attitude is everything. You can pick the attitude that you want to have. So, you know, when I was a kid, the term having an attitude meant you had the attitude that somebody else was displeased with. Well, what I'm saying is have an attitude, have an attitude that says what the actual F is going on and why are we saying that it's okay for 12 year old girls to have babies? Why was it a, a cute little girl on, t on CNN begging uh, lawmakers for her not to have to have a baby? 
because y'all done said that in a lot of states that anybody can get married at any age. So we're about to take away childhood. Uh, we're taking away childhood um, marriage laws so that 11 and 12 and 10 year olds is going to be able to get married to the person that raped them. Huh? Huh? Just because somebody took it, did, did you wrong as a child? You shouldn't, you, you, it's no reason that you should be okay with that happening now. When are y'all going to say no, white people? No, you have had enough. When are you going to say, it's, why can't a little girl stay a little girl? Why can't she? Listen, I will do anything to protect my child, especially when she was a little girl. And now she's a young woman and I still would. And so I'm going to say that when white women have had enough, they will protect not only themselves and each other, but they will protect little girls and they will protect children and they will protect life by not allowing somebody's life to get ruined because they have to have a baby when they literally have neither the maturity nor the stability nor the means nor the desire or any reason to take care of kids. And so what's going to happen is all these kids are going to be in foster homes and all kind of stuff getting abused. And then when they come out, all they're going to be able to do is work in factories and fields and then shoot up schools. I mean, are y'all serious with this? That y'all just going to let it keep on going? Listen, we have to stop this. We have to stop this. And we have to talk about the inability of you to metabolize these difficult feelings because it is trauma. Get that book, The Body Keeps the Score. That's the action item. That is the action item, okay? Is when you have had enough, you will read The Body Keeps the Score and you will learn about how you are you have unprocessed trauma inside of you and how that unprocessed trauma um, in you, right, gets triggered. And when you are triggered, you have a certain response that you may or may not be aware of. So learn about yourself. Unpack your trauma. Unpack your trauma. And um, <laughs> I guess like I said before, right? Do it personally, right? So do it for yourself before you start worrying about anything and other people. Unpack your trauma personally. Number two, unpack your trauma privately, right? So don't be doing it out on social media every time something happens, you lashing out and, and, and acting crazy, getting in somebody's comments, saying some nonsense. And thirdly, unpack your trauma professionally, okay? If you um, don't have an opportunity to have any type of, you know, mental health services, especially if you live in America, because healthcare sucks. And that is on purpose, by the way, they want us to be sick so that we have to take low paying jobs. So that, um, you know, we are dependent on the government. Um, so they want us to be sick. Uh, so that's a whole nother conversation. But, but um, you know, take care of it uh, professionally uh, if you can. If you can't have, don't have health care, right? Look for services that you can uh, avail yourself to online and look for some of the accredited apps and sites. Like there's these great sites like better health and things like that. So check those out. Um, and when white people have had enough, right, you will use food for thought and thought for food. And you'll think about that. You only have your attitude, your time and your mood. 
<laughs> right? Like Dion Ferris said. So, hey, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you. This is Vonda Page, the radical results mentor for leaders looking to level up to legend. Go to VondaPage.com to learn more about me. Go to LeaderToLegendExclusive.com to sign up and find out about the latest masterclass. And go to RollingResultsMentorship.com to learn more about the mentorships and snag a spot for an application conversation with me because the first cohort kicks off on September 1st. So I'm super excited about that. And I will see you next time. Hey, when white people have had enough, you will unpack your trauma. You'll do it personally. You'll do it privately. You'll do it professionally. And you will heal along the way. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next time. Bye. This episode of Living Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals from startups to some of the largest companies in the world, like Amazon, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, Goldman Sachs, Google, J.P. Morgan, Meta, and more. Blind's mission of transparency seeks to break down professional barriers and silos at work so that you can make productive change and advance your career. It's a safe space to ask questions and get the real-time insights and perspectives from people who know what you've been through. On Blind, you can connect and have honest discussions about everything from compensation, company culture, performance reviews, promotions, and more. You can also join your exclusive private company channel to chat with your coworkers about company policies and what's really going on at work. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read on Blind. Download and install Blind from the App Store or visit TeamBlind.com to get access to the latest salary, company reviews, and interview experiences thousands of companies worldwide.